Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 51 of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. As you know, I'm off in New Zealand right now on my vacation. Not right now as I'm talking to you, but right now as you're listening to this. If you're listening to this on the day that it came out, which I think is roughly uh, July 2nd. Anyway, I'm off in New Zealand with my family. And so episode 51, the first episode of the second 50 episodes of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast, um, is a great episode, in my opinion. Um, but before we get on with that, let me tell you where I'm going to be when I get back from New Zealand. I'm, I'll just name some of the cities. I'm going to New York City. I'm going to Indianapolis. I'm going to Washington, D.C. to the Improv Lovely. I'll be down in Fort Lauderdale. I'll be up in Seattle at Laughs. I'll be in Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis. I'll go to Denver to the Comedy Works, Zanies in Chicago. And then towards the end of the year, I'm going to be filming a new special at Hilarities in Cleveland. And that's going to be the first week end in December. So you can check all of those details at jakethis.com. As always, that's where you can find out about me. You can follow me on Twitter at jakethis. And uh, this is the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. Anyway, this week's episode, uh, last February or this February, this February that just passed that February, I worked at the uh, Comedy Off-Broadway Comedy Club in Lexington, Kentucky. That was my second time there. And I worked with... Uh, Scott Wilson, who is the house MC there, he and I are the same age, and we started doing comedy at the same time. And uh, we took quite different paths to wind up in the same show. Um, and uh, so how do you wind up in the same show? I knew how I got there, and I asked Scott to be on the podcast because he's been a comedian for a long time and uh, has a lot of stories to tell. And he ended up um, telling me how he got there. Uh, and it was really quite a story. I think in life, you know, the way I think of life is uh, it's choices. It's the choices that we make. You are your choices. You are what you chose in uh, in every kind of moment. And, of course, we'd all love to be a rich, famous person who just wakes up every morning to a magic velvet bag of choices where you just reach in and you just pull things out at random and every one is more fabulous than another. You know, you're performing in amphitheaters, you're, um, you know, you're flying to Hawaii, you're going, uh, you know, on a, on a safari to take pictures of beautiful wild animals. I mean, that's, that's sort of, we would, we would all love that. Um, but those, those people who wake up to those choices are, are not often so interesting and uh, there's more ways ways than one to skin a cat in this life and there's more ways than one to have a career in show business and I really uh, have a lot of respect for Scott and the choices that he's made and the path that he's followed and it was just quite a story and I have to say when I was listening to my conversation that I had with him again I realized that uh, there was another person in that story that I really wanted to talk to his wife Peggy and so I, I want to thank both Scott and Peggy for talking to me I spoke to her um, just a couple of weeks ago so months after my conversation with Scott and uh, so please uh, this episode is a little long, but uh, life is a little long, and I feel like, look, why not? I I, I wanted to do justice to to my friend Scott Wilson, I, and I left I left it in because I thought it was good, and uh, I think it's rewarding if you listen to this whole episode. It's a love story, um, it's a show business, in my opinion, success story, and um, it's it's a real chance to take a look. At, uh, at a person who's made some strong choices 
or or two people actually who've made some strong choices when I when I have to uh, when I have to sit down and think about really what you're listening to here. It's two people who really who really did something impressive. And uh, so please enjoy this episode, and I will be back to say goodbye at the end. Um, and until we meet again, thank you for listening. Here's Scott Wilson and his lovely wife, Peggy. When I was 19, I went away after college. Last year, I went to school and uh, my sophomore year. And I took a job down in Western Kentucky as a lifeguard on a lake. That sounds like fun. It was a hell of a lot of fun. But, and I was making three fifty an hour, maybe. I don't even know what, I don't remember what I was making. Mm-hmm. But it was like three ten an hour. And that would have been... But that was $1980, you know. Right, so, yeah. Well, I, I don't even remember what the minimum wage was. I remember waiting tables and they would pay you like a dollar seventy five, and you were supposed to make the rest up in tips or something. Right. So three. Yeah, at least you had an opportunity to make the tips. Okay. Yeah, lifeguard. But I still came away, and I ended up not going back to school, and I stayed there, and they uh, and they moved me from the beach to, because the, the summer was over, they moved me from the beach to the kitchen where I was a, just a busboy. Mm-hmm. But I made, I made tips there, and uh, I, I came home like in November because they, they basically don't do much business during the winter. It was a state resort park. Right. And so they just lay everybody off. Right. But they gave me a hotel room that was a little bit like this. So you had a kind of a living room, I had a little, little bit. I had a little bit of the, that going on, and, and uh, they charged me ten bucks a month for that. Wow, that's that's cheap. And, they, and then they, and then I got to eat for a dollar a day, a dollar a day. So I, at breakfast, I'd go in and eat breakfast. I'd pay a dollar, and then at lunch and dinner, I didn't have to pay. I just once you paid for your day, yeah, and it was all it was this resort thing where it's all. Uh, it was at night. It was buffet all the time. Buffet. Uh huh. So whatever theme the buffet had, Friday was seafood, of course. And so I ate like a king. Yeah. You know, and I had a nice place to stay. And there's chicks all over the place. Yeah, I signed up for that as a retirement deal. (laughs) And uh, I made three bucks an hour. But I came home in November because I well I set up a bank account and everything down there. Just a uh, savings account. Yeah, and I would I would take a certain amount of money, and I would go buy my beer. You know, and mm-hmm. I didn't have to buy any food or anything. I didn't have a car. I'd borrow a car, drive over to the bank, put the check in, keep out enough cash to get me through two weeks. Nice. After the, the beer, of course. And so, how soon after that did you start doing stand up? Um. I was just turning. I was pushing twenty years old then, yeah. and I, and, I, and at that point, I knew that uh, that's what I wanted to do. This is really this is what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to do it. But that would be here in Kentucky, right? right. So yeah. how, which there's was, no which was the hard part. Well, that's when I was in Iowa, and there was no comedy club. I didn't know what to even right. how to get started or what to do. So, how old are you now? I'm 52. I'm 52 as well. 
Right. So this is all happening around the same time for both of us. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I started in 1982. Was the right. Time that's, I when I, that's when I started figuring out where to go, when, what to do, and even making my own opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's still guys do that now, even in cities where there is a comedy club that they right. can't get into. They just start some their neighborhood I, bar uh, or someplace. I, uh, when I came home, I didn't, I couldn't really get a decent job uh, from that in 19, I, t- I didn't get a job till like March of the next year, which an apartment community right around the corner from where I live, maybe, maybe not even a mile from where I live, had an opening for a pool guy and a lifeguard. Uh-huh. So I applied for it, and I got the job. So I, I took care of the pool maintenance and everything, and then I, was, I had to hang around because they wanted a lifeguard. And then uh, that slipped into when they, when they noticed I had a little bit of a flair for the entertaining, right? Uh-huh. They came to approach me and, and said, uh, we've, going to, we've got this thing that we want to do, and we want, we want to have a social director, like a cruise director kind of guy, you know. For the apartment complex. For the apartment complex, and and so I said, yeah. What I said, what what you know? And they said, well, here's what we want. Once a month, we're going to do a party, have a theme party, uh, do stuff during the summer. We want to do stuff by the pool. We want to do things for all the people that live here. And it ended up being a pretty close knit community, which had its. It only had like 200 apartments in it. Uh huh. Well, that's a pretty, that could be... But it was in a small area, so, you know. And they just decided they were going to make it like a clubhouse? They don't have to do that, right? Do, well, no, no, this was part of the marketing of the place, you know. Oh, come live here was, and be part of this fun. Be part of the party, you know. Oh. And we were all young. Everybody that ran the place was young, you know, and I was 21. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or I wasn't even 21 yet. And, uh... So I said, I, I said, I guess I could do that. And uh, so, and they had a club, you know, they had a clubhouse and a, you know, the pool and the different things there that, you know, amenities that they had. And so they put me in charge of putting out the newsletter every month and then planning a party. And they gave me an apartment. That was my pay. And you were 20. I was 20. Can you imagine giving a 20-year-old that much freedom and responsibility nowadays? Well, it, it really I mean, wasn't a lot of responsibility. It was just, you know, yeah. go get the beer. It's not the responsibility. For the party. Okay. For the party, you know. And, uh, but, you know, it was like, all I got to do is walk in, get a per- uh, purchase order for three kegs of beer. Uh-huh. And then go talk to one of the guys that, that has a truck in the apartment and have him drive me over to get it. You know, mm-hmm. and then bring it back and, I, and get it all, and then come up with different theme parties. You know, how hard is that? Luau's and <laughs> yeah. Know. Well, the theme of the party is we got three kegs of beer. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, and and out of the three hundred people that lived there, three hundred fifty, you know, about one hundred fifty of them participated in every single thing. I mean, wow. Really, so it was a it ended lot up being of really participation. Good for yeah, two or three years. You know, it had its bad things too. You know, where and everybody was, you know, it was all incestuous and yeah, you know, kind of sleeping with each other and partying yeah. and getting drunk and, and, and borrowing money. One of the fun and, things to do was get up early after the party and go sit on your balcony and watch who came out of 
which apartment? <laughs> and then Razzle, you know, hey, I see you. But, uh, and that was fun. But yeah, I got a free apartment. The mistake I made was because I was pretty social as a social director, is I always felt like I needed a roommate, I needed somebody to pal around with, you know. Uh-huh. And what I should have done was uh, gotten a one bedroom. See, I thought I was getting paid more, and I got a two bedroom. I see. And I thought, okay, I can get a two bedroom, and I can charge. I can get a roommate and charge them. I think the two bedrooms at the time only rented for four hundred and twenty-five dollars a month or something like mm-hmm. that. I said, and I offered this one dude uh, who was hanging around with us. I said, and he was looking for a place. And I go, look, I'll give you the second room, right? Uh, you have to pay uh, half the electricity, half the phone which is the only bills you had there, and give me $100 a month. Because you're getting the apartment for free. Yeah, I said, so he's getting a deal and you're so getting instead a deal. So instead of it being $200-plus a month, being a replacing a roommate, plus half the electricity and half the phone, which was another $100 probably between the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's, instead of having to pay three three hundred fifty to live there with a roommate, he... He opted to come in just for like two hundred bucks, uh-huh. so it saved him a little. I thought I'm doing him a favor too. Right? Didn't turn out so good. He was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, I, I don't know if I could go back to having a roommate. Well, see, I, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously we're married. We've got roommates, but uh, yeah, married. well, with benefits, yeah, you hope, uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, and that was my only mistake. If I, I always tell my wife that. If I had to do over again, I would just got a one-bedroom apartment. Now, I met my wife while I was doing this job. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, so you guys have been together a long time. Been, you did say last night it was 29 years. 29 years. Uh, June of uh, 84, we got married. Hmm. Is, that, is that right? Yeah, June of 84. So you... Started doing comedy, got married right away. I, I they happened almost exactly at the same time. What was it like trying to go? Well, then, where would you go to do stand up? Well, to, in my amateur days or when we just starting out days, I did like I did like one, I did like three or four things. There was a club in Louisville called Shirley's Comedy. Mm-hmm. It was really a nice setup, and uh, it had been there a year or so, and they were bringing in the Jay Leno's and. You know the uh, a lot of the Chicago acts, yeah, that were starting to get hot, mm-hmm. and then they were, and then they kind of so that, and they had had this little community where they, because of that, there was four or five guys that was real serious about doing stand up, and um, and I drive drive every Tuesday up to Louisville and do my five minutes. So it's an hour, right? Drive from here, uh, from from where I was living to the club. It was it was right at about an hour, yeah, right about an hour. So, Drive an so hour. not bad. You Hang know. out. No, not bad. Not bad. And then I would put on shows in this clubhouse at this apartment community, and I would just put on my own show. Which, so you would do some stand up? Did you get I'll other do guys stand up? I'd get. I have some guys play guitar, mm-hmm. and I do that, and I and I do some stand up, and then I talked. Some people down at the University of Kentucky into letting there be an open mic night at yeah. the student center, like once a month. Mm-hmm. And when I say open mic, 
you know, now they open mic is just comp, you know, but back then it was good people that played guitar and, you know, whatever, so, right? Yeah, yeah. Just whatever, juggled, whatever. And, uh, and then I also, there was a bar called Steak and Ale. And it was right, it was just, it was, I could, you could hit a golf ball over to it from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy, and I can't think of, oh, uh, Redding. Uh, Redmond, Brad Redmond. And he he owns a bar to this day downtown and plays guitar in it. But this place is like steak and ale, you know, kind of uh-huh. meat market kind of place. And I talked him into letting me when he took his break, letting me do a set on his his breaks. Oh, so you just go down? He would play for an hour or He'd whatever, take a break for fifteen take a minutes, fifteen minute break, and then I do I do I try to do stand up. So you were hustling, trying to figure it out, and then and. And I figured it out, and, and I was told, I was told, lucky enough to be told, which kind of helped me along, I was lucky enough to be told that it looked like everybody thought I really had maybe a shot at this. So all uh-huh. the guys that were kind of already established in Louisville and actually doing some work, and and uh, all the comedy clubs starting to pop up everywhere, that they said, we, and then a, then a couple of them took me along with them. On their road gigs, yeah, and they got they helped me get some gigs. Uh-huh. And at the time, at that time, I was married, and I've been married a little while. And my wife knew a comic just in kind of a passing way, right? And he was kind of a schlep. I won't even say who he was, but uh, and she helped. She actually called him one day and says, "When next time you're in town." Can we set up some kind of where you can see my husband perform? Mm-hmm. And I want you to see if you can help him. And, you know, I guess I was good enough at that point to have him go, okay, yeah, I'll get here. I'll make a call for you. Yeah, well, that was a long time ago, too. Yeah. So the road was much different than and it is that, now. There wasn't so many people. Right. And uh, and also they did things differently. They had road MCs. Yeah, yeah. Now it's local. Everywhere is yeah, local. Yeah. So they were paying. I went on the road. I made anywhere between 200 and $300 a week, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to... Uh, stay in the condo. Stay in a condo or, at, or they rented a house or something. And, you know, and just... Yeah. And just go in and see what Ollie Joe Prater broke the week before, you know. Yeah, some of those are pretty terrible. Pretty terrible. There was some places where... I, I never worked at one where you'd stay in the back of the club right but they had somewhere the thing you yeah. that's that was your accommodation there was one the the in akron there was a hilarities up in akron that was uh uh it was an old church but it wasn't really didn't look like a church i think that's where rex humbard the minister he started out but anyway they created this basement of this place they created an apartment basically uh-huh. With, like, really fake walls and stuff like that. And that's where you stayed. Right downstairs. And you just went upstairs. So. That is sort of how you feel sometimes on the road. I mean, this is not a bad hotel room, and I, I'm definitely not in any kind of... Well, I would never complain about staying here. Right. But you do sometimes feel on the road like you're treated like a like you're a machine. Well, you yeah. know, you just they just put you in your case... Right, get you out for the show, put you back in your case. Well, yeah, and they don't want you goofing around in, in between, but you have to. But uh, so that's how, I mean, I, I went out on road for my first road trip was three weeks. 
I drove all the way to Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, stayed in a condo. Didn't have to be. I had to be in Raleigh, North Carolina, the next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Charlie Goodnights, which is one of. The, have you ever done Charlie? Yeah, yeah. I was just there a few weeks ago. Really? I mean, this was this was eighty four, I guess. So would that be Tommy Williams? Did he Tommy own Williams? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I went up there, and they they may not even have been open. I don't even know how long they were. Maybe that would have been pretty new. Six or eight weeks, maybe, yeah. At that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, drove up there. They had a condo. And then from there, I went to Augusta, Georgia. Uh-huh. So a little triangle, you know. Yeah. And that was my first three weeks on the road. And I came back. Well, that Charlie Goodnights is nice. I don't work, I don't work too much in the South. This place here right. in Lexington... I do Charlie Goodnights, right. Florida, which I don't really count as the South. It's right. sort of its own thing. Yeah. And uh, so that was it. And then so they liked me. They invited me back to all those. Uh, I'd do uh-huh. it again. And uh, and then the, and then we picked up. There's this one dude that opened up a couple of clubs, like in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Georgia, and I don't know somewhere else in Georgia, and. Uh, so he, he and I got to go down and do that, and then then there was a club in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. and there was uh, one in Washington D.C. and oh somewhere else, but maybe they attached and oh in Virginia Beach. So that was a little three week. So now I'm starting. I went from just doing like in 1984. I, went, I did like 12 weeks. That's all I did. Yeah, and during I took the summer off, and I went back and did took care of my pool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you still had that kind of uh, cruise director job? Yeah, yeah, I still had that. So it was, was perfect because it paid for my apartment. And you, but your wife was living my with you then, right? My wife was living right. with us then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she was living with me. And you, you got rid of the roommate married. when your mother, yeah, when you're, yeah. What was that like going three? Well, I mean, you'd be in your twenties, going three weeks away, leaving your wife, who was. It wasn't good. Yeah, boy, you I miss mean, each other, we, right? And she's young, and she could go out and. Right. You know, boy, that's tricky times. And she worked. She she was a hard worker, and uh, and, and it wasn't as easy back then to communicate either when you're away. No, believe me, I know that. It, that's early days of going on the road where you'd have to call, and if you didn't get the person, yeah. you'd leave a message if they had an answering machine, right. and then they got to call back the hotel. And then you're trusting the front desk person to get their name right and tell you that they even called or right, and uh, and it was very expensive. Yeah, yeah, that was even before it calling was cards. Hard and stuff. To, it was hard to justify the money to have a conversation with my wife every day, especially since I wasn't making very much money. Right, you make it two hundred dollars, and then you end up spending yeah. sixty bucks. Oh, well, I was real home. good about that. I, you know, I, I'd make two hundred. I'd make six hundred dollars in three weeks. I'd come home with four hundred dollars of it. Man, you know that was just eating. A, that's a lot of bologna sandwiches and mm-hmm. and uh, free drinks at the club. You know, that's yeah, that yeah. And not driving around, and only when you had to, and, and you know, just sitting still, waiting for it. Which, which, as a lifeguard, right? I had good training. I used to tell people I got great training for just sitting still and letting time go by. Because you sit in that chair and yeah. just keep your mind. Yeah, and you just sit in your pool of your own sweat, you know, for mm-hmm. forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I was real good at that. 
But that's the tough thing about the road is when you're just sitting in your room looking, waiting for something. I took a walk up to the mall today, but it's like I don't need to buy anything. Right. Just walk around and look at people, you know. Move around a little bit. But, yeah, so I went along with that. And every year I got a little bit more work, a little bit more work. But then that also, see, it got worse because now I'm working. I'm going out two and three weeks at a time. I'm coming home for a week. I'm going out two or three weeks at a time. Come home for a week. It really was not very good for our relationship. I bet. I mean, you must have, and you're not communicating. That's like nowadays, like you say, you, I go out for just these four or five days, mm-hmm. and I can talk to my wife every day. I call her. I know she's pretty much going to answer. You can talk to her every hour, and you yeah. can and you can look at her on the Skype on the computer. It's, I mean, there's all yeah. that stuff. But back then, yeah, people may not realize that it'd be you. You'd maybe talk to somebody once during a week, or right. that's how I would do it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend my well, money on the phone or rent a car. Sure. And all that kind of stuff kind of went, you know, uh, all the, the, because we moved to Louisville for a year and I got the same deal up there because it was the same management company. So it got, but only got like half my rent paid up there. Uh My wife actually started working for the company as a leasing agent for the apartment community where we were. So, but that put me in Louisville where they had a club at that point. It wasn't Shirley's anymore. It was a club run, uh, booked by Chris DePetta. Uh-huh. Out of Atlanta, and I would work there as an MC by four or five times a year, four or five times in that year, and they paid like three hundred fifty bucks, and I was low. I just had to drive three miles. Right, you're at home. That's yeah. nice. And I'm home every night. So that was there's four or five weeks out of the year where I made some money and I didn't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I was still working these other clubs. Some of them, you know, didn't make it, fell by the wayside, but new ones came along. Tom yeah, Sol- yeah, you're always trying to... Tom Sobel, the booking agent, was in Louisville. And he had one-nighters. And he, at one point, he had about 11 weeks worth of work at one point in the 80s. And were you mostly working in the South then? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd go into... I did Ohio and Michigan and, yeah. and Indiana and a little bit of... Uh, West Virginia and Pennsylvania and so I was kind of you know there, you could draw a circle around Louisville or Kentucky uh-huh. you know all the states that connected to it and down south too and that's where I, that's where I stayed. It's like the first time I went on the road that first three weeks I was telling you about part of the deal that I do it was I had to take the headliner from Charleston, South Carolina he was going to get there but I would, we'd have to drive to Raleigh, mm-hmm. then I'd take him to Raleigh, and then from there he was he was hopping a plane and going back to New York. I never really ran into a whole lot of club owners that were complete dicks, you know, and complete just try to screw you, nail you to the wall kind of guys. Anyway, just a little Weasley. They're all they're all they're all just a little. Well, I, I wouldn't say all. I shouldn't yeah. say all, but it, I feel like in their position, I can I can understand. There's all that. There's money changing hands, right? And they can see like, oh, if I just tell a little fib about ten seats or fifty seats, I can put a few hundred dollars in my pocket instead of paying him on his door dealers right. bonus. Yeah. Or and and there's that whole small business owner mentality too. They, they play everything really close. To the vast, and, and you know, I you run into that too. But, and and once you understand what you 
what you're involved with, it's you can make you can make your way through it easy enough. I mean, yeah, I yeah. never had any trouble. I never not got paid. I, a guy tried to pay me in cocaine once, and I just said, nah, I just. Oh, that's right. Well, you were telling that story last night. Right. So you go to get paid at the end of the week, and he opens up the drawer and points to the little bag of coke. Yeah. He goes, and I go, no, nah, I just. My wife's expecting me to bring cash home. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? You come back from the road and you throw a little bag of drugs on the table for your yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, down no. the street and see if you can get some cash for these. Oh take my them. god! But so yeah, 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 I heard those stories. But that's that wasn't that's yeah, you know, like one time, one time. Yeah, it's all happened one time. And uh, so that went. We went how long on that for until nineteen? The end of nineteen eighty-seven. Mm-hmm. The end of 1987. And at that point, between all the people that I was working for, I, I figured it up. There was like 145 weeks worth of work. Uh, was it that many? No, I think, no, it was more like 85. 85 weeks. Well, that's a lot. So that you don't even lot. have to that's, go back to it. That's well, 85 weeks worth of work within an eight hours drive of my house. Mm-hmm. That's my, pretty good. I wonder if that... And house is a strip, my apartment, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was away from my wife all the time. I was really struggling with that. I bet she was, too. I mean... Yeah, well, we had, you know, our moments where it was like, you know, this isn't going to work. But then I figured it out. I, I go, why? And, and we were getting, everybody was getting away from condos, too. The condo thing was starting to go away, and they started figuring out... They could put us in a Holiday Inn, cut some kind of deal, put us in a Holiday Inn, right, and not yeah. have to worry about get, hiring a house cleaner. Well, and the house cleaner was always terrible. And uh, everything that goes along with that. So it ended up being cheaper mm-hmm. for them. Now, still, some of them had condos and stuff like that. But my idea, I approached my wife in uh, late uh, 87, and I said, look... Would you ever consider going with me on the road full time? Uh huh. I said, we basically drive everywhere. Eighty-five percent of the time, going to be in a hotel room, so we'll have privacy. Um, you know, we won't. We won't. Keep, you know, I can work as many weeks as I want to. I can take off the weeks that you need to go see your family, Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving, whatever you want to do. And not have an apartment. And not, have not a home. keep an apartment. And I'd already, I'd, excuse me, I'd already approached my father about this, who was a widower. My mother passed away in 85. Uh-huh. And I said, Dad, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And, of course, he, at first he wasn't. He went, he go. I don't think that's a good idea. And I go, no, I can't see. I think it's a bad. I think it's a bad idea just to leave her at home forty weeks a year. Right. You know, that's you talking. Yeah. About. I think it's a bad idea. And he says, well, he and, and you know, my dad didn't have anything to do. He was already retired. He retired real early after my mother died because he was, you know, kind of crushed, and uh, and he didn't really wasn't doing anything. I said, but here's what I would need for you to do for me. I said, I I would. Need, I'm going to have a bank account set up to where it's got my name and your name on it, so that you can you can deal with it. Yeah. And when I'm on the road, I'll send you money, 
and you pay, uh, I said, I want to buy a new car, and you want you to make the payment for me, and then my only other bill would be my phone bill, which at the time, you know, $300, $350 a month. But that would be, what kind of phone bill? Would well, you? I had Sprint, you know, I had... Oh, you'd have a card. Yeah, calling I had a card. card. Calling yeah. card. Yeah. So you're talking about. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. So you don't have a cell phone. You got a calling no, card. No such thing as cell and phone. And there's no no direct deposit. There's no ATM machine. Yeah, it's you've got to just say right. to the club owner, "Give me three hundred in cash and put the rest." And in I the go to the gas station and I buy, you know, a, a money order. Uh huh. And uh, and I put it in the mail. To your dad, he put it in the bank. And he yeah. gets it, you know, and he takes it to the bank, puts it in the account. Pays your car. He pays, pays my car payment, pays my insurance payment, pays my phone payment, and we had a credit card. And if I ever used it, he would just pay it off for me. Right, yeah. So I'm sending home thousands of dollars at this point now. And he's, ta- he's taking and he, care of it. And he's taking care of it. We divested everything. We divested. Uh, well, here, here's before that happened. I called all these agents and I told them what I was going to do and if it was okay with them. You know, is there going to be any trouble in any place? And they go, no, I don't think so. You know, you know, you just have to keep it cool. And I go, yeah, right, keep it cool. How do right. you, you know, you can't. You know, wife doesn't get pretty. You know, hey, I got money. You know, oh, like saying, if you're in the condo, you yeah, can't you know, just say, oh, my wife is here, so, so we want the biggest bedroom. Right, you know, stuff like that. And I go, that's no problem. Nothing is, you know. My wife, no ego, no intentions of being out in front of anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they said, yeah. So I got. So I said, okay. I said, uh, what do you what have you got for me this year? So I spent one week putting together the schedule. That's back when people kind of scheduled a little further out too. Yeah, well, I, that's even just a few years ago. Yeah, you, you call sub, you, you call up in September. You pretty much book your year, right? The next year. Yeah, I did. So, I, so here, yeah, here I am. In, yeah, September, October, and I'm, I'm booking the next year. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I mean, I kill it. I You're trying to wall to wall it, except I, for vacation, except for Christmas week, and some other week that my wife wanted to be. Uh, at her folks now her folks lived in Louisville at the time and because uh, she still had she still had uh, t- a young sister and a young brother that like was this her brother was eight nine. Oh, so that she'd want to go home and see him and, yeah. and a sister that was like 14 or whatever mm-hmm. you know Catholics you know how they do things but anyway <laughs> right, she's Irish Catholic. I'm Protestant. One of my old bits was everything's cool until we get in a fight and she blows up my car. You know, that's, like, that, that's the <laughs> right. like the original terrorist joke right there. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so I I got it all set up and I went to my wife and I said, okay. She was a manager of a t-shirt shop over in this mall over here. Uh-huh. And I went to her and I said, okay, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to commit and she said, yeah. And I said, okay, I've got it all set up then. At the beginning of the year, you go on the road with me. And you just, and we got it by that. What we're going to do is we're going to divest of all this stuff. We're going to sell all our furniture, have a garage, get rid of all our pots and pans, get rid of everything. Mm-hmm. Sell it, give it away, 
find out who needs it. We'll give it away first, and we'll sell yeah. the rest of whatever. Hello. Hi, Peggy. Yes, is this Jake? Yes, it is. It's all working. Hi. So I just wanted to talk to you because uh, I talked to Scott for a long time about his career and basically his whole story. And uh, one of the things I really like about it is, you know, it's a different kind of career as a stand-up comedian. And, it ha- and you know, it's so all about, you know, his relationship with you and... Uh, and your kid, and uh, so I thought it would be nice to kind of let you chime in a little bit. Well, I really appreciate that. Nobody ever wants my side of the story. <laughs> oh, boy. It sounds like... It sounds like... It, well, Scott lives my side of the story, so... <laughs> how do you mean? Well, I mean, he's with me. He lives it, and right. he knows what I'm feeling. But normally, most other people, they don't want to know my side of the story. They're just more interested in his story. Yeah, well, it, it's quite a it's quite a, a job or a task or I don't know what the right word is for it that uh, that you kind of took on because it's the way he tells it. You guys got married kind of right at the beginning of his comedy career. Yes, we did. Yes. And and what was that like for you? Were you on board right from the get go? Could you see his talent? What did you? How did you feel about it? I could. Yes, I could. I could definitely see his talents. And uh, I had actually met a comic before I met Scott, and that kind of led to me introducing Scott to him, and to Scott getting you know on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just. Uh, you know, I, I found him to be very funny. And uh, at first, oh, it was like, you know, uh, I, I was driving down to uh, Louisville to the open mic nights. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would talk. And, you know, he just said, you know what, I'm just going to use you and toss you away. And I said, you know what, I'm doing the same with you. And now we've been married 29 years this month. <laughs> really? He said he was just going to use you and toss you away. And that was the joke that you guys had with each other? Yes, that was a joke because I said I'm going to do that to you. <laughs> so, so what happened? You just liked you liked hanging out with him and going on the road in the life of a comic. You just you decided to you decided to go with him on the road. How did that How did that happen? I like I like the spirit that he had to to try for this goal to you know follow his dream, you know. And it was such an artistic dream. I was like, this is awesome. You know, and I'll take you as far as, you know, I'll go with you as far as you want me to go, and I'll help you out as much as I can, and then we'll just see what happens. And it was just um, the fact that he didn't want a nine-to-five job, the fact that he didn't want to do things, you know, you know, construction or something like that. It was amazing to me that he, he really wanted to put his whole heart into it. And this was way be- way before there were comedy clubs all over the place. It wasn't just an easy thing that you could see other people even doing at the time. Was exactly. It? No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It was just um, uh, we didn't even have a comedy club in our hometown. I remember when that happened, and we had been on the road for a while, and we walked in when they were still building it. And so that was exciting to have you know them bring a comedy club to Lexington, Kentucky. It was just like ah, yes. Do you do you remember that decision when when you all decided that you were going to get rid of your apartment and just live on the road for a while? 
I do. Uh, I was having a hard time at my work and uh, crying on Scott's shoulder, and he said, that's it. You just, you know, you're just going to go on the road with me. Uh, I think I'm making enough money. And uh, and we'll see. We got rid of the furniture. We gave away a lot of the furniture. We stored some in my father-in-law's garage. Um, and we just uh, hit out on the road. And so you were kind of excited about it as a way to kind of get away from a job that you weren't really enjoying at the time. I wasn't enjoying it at the time, and he was gone. He was gone a lot. Do you remember what your road car was? Uh, yeah, well, for her, for her, when we started, we bought a brand new Dodge Caravan. So, like a minivan. So a minivan, but yeah. it was only like the second or third year they made them. Yeah, yeah. And um, we we uh, the first week I took her to Snowshoe, West Virginia, which uh, you met Roy. The manager of the club here Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the owner of that club in Snowshoe, West Virginia. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, way back when. And I went there. The, the first week we went there. So, basically, in the meantime, though, we had gotten rid of everything. We had moved in with my father. What little we had left, we put it in his garage. Mm-hmm. Right? And we staged everything out of that, out of his house. Yeah. And... Um, so we went to Snowshoe. Uh, it was a great setup. Roy was a great host, uh, you know, and an owner. He was great because we got free uh, snow skiing, free rentals, free lift tickets. Oh, man. So, you're, so your first food. week on the road is a ski vacation. Right. It's a ski vacation, right? Uh-huh. The crowds are gray at night. They're all there. It's, a, it's an inverted resort where everything's at the top of the mountain instead of down at the bottom of the mountain, right? So once you get to the top of the mountain, you're stuck there, you know, you when they close the they close the lift, so you can't go anywhere. Well, you could you could go down the mountain, but the nearest town is West Virginia. The nearest place to do anything is miles away. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but they had bars and restaurants and mm-hmm. entertainment, and disco and all that, and a comedy club. Yeah. Who books that now? I want to go. It, do that I, I don't even know if it's still going. I, yeah, you know, I might ask Roy that, but uh, he got he kind of got rid of it, and uh, he was in real estate up there too. Which they sell condos and stuff. So, yeah. so you're on the road with your wife, and how so, long? So is now, it yeah. So we go, and and we got. And it was so funny because, and I, th- I just knew this was right when I walked over to where we are now, Lexington Green, uh, here where the club it finally ended up. But this was years before the the club started, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, well, it wasn't too. Yeah, it was just getting started, and. Uh, um, there was a, a Hibbets uh, store there, and they were getting rid of all their ski stuff. And I found a pair of ski bibs that were extra large, tall. Uh huh. Right. And she <laughs> sold everything and bought a pair of ski bibs. I yeah. And I, well, I got them for ten bucks. I mean, it was no clear. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm going. This is the right thing to do. This is the yeah. exact right thing to do. The next week, uh, we were in Orlando, Florida. So after that week was over, we drove in. We were about six hours away, not maybe four hours away in Snowshoe, West Virginia, five. Mm-hmm. Drove back here, spent one day, you know, switched out all the, the winter wear. Because you're going to the beach now. And now Florida. we're going to Florida in mm-hmm. the, you know, in the last week in January, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh... 
So we go down and we drive to Florida, and and it's uh, it's a brand new club. It's the it's the second week they're they're there, they're open, and uh, so they still love comics, right? And are you the you're the feature act? No, yeah, I'm the feature act at this yeah. point. Yeah, I'm just just this is all just feature work at this uh-huh. point, and. Um, uh, it was in a Holiday Inn, and the club was in the in the hotel. So we had, and it was like it's like this kind of a resort place, Holiday Inn in, in Orlando, and snorkeling. They, and they gave us half price off of anything we wanted, mm-hmm. food and everything. And they had fish fries and, and shrimp night, and you know. Wow! So your wife must think this is now, life, yeah, right? And She's and, loving and, it. And right? She goes, "I, you, never told me." This is the way it was going to be. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, you've been doing this for the last five years? And you just go, oh, yeah, it's, you know. It's a she thinks that's the way it's going to be every yeah. week. It's so I said, be- look, honey, when we, get, when we leave here, we have to drive to Jackson, Mississippi. Then you're going to find out what I was talking about. I always wanted to travel, so it, it, it fit for me. And it was, oh, gosh, it was just good times. It was, you know, going up and, and skiing and then traveling through the night and, and changing out your clothes and, and then learning how to water ski. It, it was fun. Yeah, he mentioned those first two gigs on the road were, were pretty great. It was a good Oh, yeah. hmm It definitely was. But then we ended up at a, oh, at what I would call like a psycho motel where the phone even looked like, you know, from the movie Psycho, <laughs> and, and you know, just but those those times were fun too. When the grandmother, who is you know the grandmother, the person who owns the motel, is yelling at you, calling you a heathen because you're coming in late from a comedy club that her you know grandson owns. Oh, you have to laugh at stuff like that. <laughs> I bet you have as many good road stories as uh, as a lot of comedians have. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I love my road stories. I, you know, I, I, life on the road was really eye-opening and a lot of fun. And I can't imagine how anybody, you know, if a comic can take the wife on the road, if they're married, then, you know, why not do it? And then so she, so she got in the rhythm of it. She drove most of the time. Mm-hmm. She got to the point where she was booking me. She got to know all the booking agents, and she got to know all the club owners, and she got to know, and she she treated it like a little business, and she took care of me for five or six years. Five or six years on the road, the yeah. two of you on the Never road. Never had a place to live. Wow. Five, that's a long run. Well, him and I vary on that because I'm not real good with, with time. I like to say five years. He, he says more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was just. I don't even remember how old I am most of the time, so he has to tell me. <laughs> I have that problem a little bit too. And we've had little bumps where she had a, she had major surgery on her neck. She had this like fibroid tumor wrapped around her, her the nerve oh root off her neck, and she they, nobody could diagnose. And finally, you know, we broke down and we said, okay, we're going to pay to go see a neurologist, and they found it. You know, they figured it out. That's a B. Maybe we're talking about late 80s, 90s. This was 92. Yeah. Um, so it had been a major problem that would flare up on her. And it's because it's a, it's in the nerve up on the neck, right? Mm-hmm. 
it's a secondary pain. So the pain is that nervy pain. I don't know if you've ever felt that or not, but it's not good. And it would come on three or four times a year, and she just, like, so much pain in her arms. So they always were looking down here. What, you know, what down in her arm, but it was up, up in her neck. And then they finally found it. And, they, and, they, and it wasn't cancer or anything like that. So they just they took it out. A, a long recovery period for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was excited because she had booked Florida and the Bahamas for us. It was like an eight-week run in mm-hmm. Florida and the Bahamas for middle January, February, and March. And she had the surgery uh, at the beginning of January. So she had like a two or three week where she just couldn't move. So I ended up having to go on the road. Uh, I, you know, I didn't cancel any gigs. You went by yourself and she stayed home. Where did she stay with your dad? She stayed with my dad for a week and then her parents came and got her. And then she kind of convalesced with them because my dad, an old grumpy old man, and he didn't know, and he and he, he doesn't know how to. And take he care. was a wreck because she was, you know, basically couldn't do anything. And um, so about four weeks went by, and uh, you know, I've been I've had her with me for you know that point four years or so, mm-hmm. and I just it was killing me, you know, it was killing me. Yeah, you're lonesome, right? I was yeah. lonely, uh, you know. Because you're used to seeing her every night. And, we're still, and it's still pre-cell phone, you know, it's still. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also to be spending all that time with each other and really kind of getting into a rhythm and, right. you know, and you're loving each other. It's, right. it's kind of the opposite of that. the early time when you're on the road by yourself no, well, and you can't talk to anybody. The only time that we were not together is when I was on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, it, it didn't take her very long to realize, I don't have to go to the show, do I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can stay in there. Yeah, yeah they all figure that out. Like, yeah, my I wife... really have to go. My you? wife likes to watch the show, but she'll come to, if she comes, right. one time. And it was also, also depending on who we were working with. If we were meeting up with people that we knew and liked, and, you know... Oh, then she'd come and hang out. Then she'd come and hang out, but... Uh, so she she recovers. You go two well, couple more she, years on you know, the road. She was still kind of a wreck. She was very she was walking walking around and everything. But she and it was time to go to the Bahamas out of this this run. Uh-huh. And I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'd been gone three weeks at that point. And uh, we were going to do two weeks in the Bahamas, and we come back to Orlando, and then do like this one nighter run and. Uh, the Panhandle, Florida, and then Birmingham, Alabama, I think, and then we were coming back. So did she fly down and meet you? Or? Well, that was the problem. Her father wasn't going to let her go. Oh, he felt like she's not ready. Yeah, she's not ready to go. You know, and he's trying to be nice to me because I'm on the phone with him. Remember, I'm in a hotel room because mm-hmm. I got to dial 92 numbers to get to, you know. Right, right. And it's, and it's three cents a minute. Or maybe even more. No, I, I bet it was more than that. Ten yeah. cents a minute, yeah. maybe. And uh, and he's being nice to me, you know. I got a great father-in-law, but he's the last guy I just don't know. And I, and I finally had to go say, look, she's not yours anymore. She's mine. I got the plane ticket already. Put her on the plane. One of the things in his story that I thought was the big scare was uh, when you had when you had that fibroid tumor oh yes oh gosh he told you about that 
Well, it was a kind of like you guys were on the road. Everything was going great. Then you had this health scare. He still had to be on the road, and and you had to deal with that problem. And then, then the that decision of yours to go back out on the road. Do you do you remember that time a little bit? Oh yes, definitely. Because you know, I was uh, I so wanted to be with him, and I was doing rehab and recovery, and and you know, and it took it. The rehab was so much harder than I thought it would be. I had no idea. And um, he had to, you know, I, I was ready. I was ready to go back. Some adrenaline, something went through me that I, I could go to my mom and dad and say, look, look, look how I moved my arm. I'm good. I'm good to go. And he called, you know, he talked to my dad and got into like a major, major fight saying, Greg, she's my girl now, and I want her with me. And so dad, dad had no choice but to put me on a plane. That kind of changed our relationship, mine and my father-in-law, after that. Did she, but she came? She came, and she was just a, like a, you know, because everything was just a brick right through her, her neck, from her head down to the middle of her house. So you really had to take care of her. So I had to take care of her, and, but we got down to the Bahamas, and I said, look, all you got, you know, just, you know, she said the plane flight was a little, little hard on her. And uh, we had to drive from Jacksonville down to Fort Lauderdale. That was a little hard on her. They had to get on one of those little planes. Uh -huh. That was a little hard. Well, I said, once we get here, I said, I'll take care of you. You know, you can do whatever you want. Lay around. She goes, I'm just going to lay around the pool and, you know, and do that sort of thing. And uh, she, she, she did pretty well. And getting down there was really hard because all that adrenaline going through me kind of left in the plane ride. And, <laughs> and then when we... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. And and then, you know, when we finally got together, his nervousness and his stressing out over me, you know, coming there and everything, his back was out. I still wasn't 100%. And, but we still had a great time, you know. I it, Well, I guess it, it was the first time I ever wanted tequila. Uh, she never knew she liked tequila. She said, <laughs> when, yeah. it, it was kind of funny we laughed at it because she just goes, you know what I want? When I go, what? Tequila. And I go, what, do you want a margarita or something? He goes, no, I just want shots. Just, just go. Never had it before in her life. And she just got a feeling she goes, about I go, what it. Did, which nerve did they touch back there? I never had tequila before, but for some reason, you know, you got the island girls saying, braid your hair when they had shaved half my hair off my head. I'm like, what can you braid? You know, but then the tequila is like, I want that. So, wow. still a good time. Well, good. That's kind of amazing. Just that little part of the story where you go home, you have this tumor operation. Your hair is, your head is still shaved, but you fly to the Bahamas and start drinking tequila because you want to enjoy your life and be with your husband. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I definitely want. To, oh, it, him and I. I just. I, I. I don't know. Once we met in the White Castles. Once we started, you know, delving into each other's lives and stuff it, it just i i couldn't exist without him today i really couldn't and our son you know mm -hmm. it's just been wonderful and, and then she slowly got better mm -hmm. and uh she was back to driving and all that stuff by the time we got home so it was that was fun do you remember the circuits well, I do remember, yeah, you'd call up one person and they would have a string, a, a string or like a little circuit of gigs, so you would do their, their little run for whatever it was. Either it would be some one-nighters for a week or three, four weeks in a row that they'd put you out on. I do remember that a little bit. Oh, 
And but you know, if you, you did it right, you could actually circle all the way back to where you started, which you know, Lexington was very central in going up north or down south or even out west and out west was interesting. <laughs> yeah, what did you think about traveling out west? I I loved it. I loved it and I did say I you know, I, I wanted to see the desert and I wanted to see the cactuses that looked like pitchforks and things like that. Never saw the cactuses, never saw the tumbleweeds and then I was like, When are we gonna get out of the desert? We've been in the desert too long. <laughs> But it was fun. I, I saw places I would never see, you mm-hmm. know. It was good. I remember going out to California and standing in line uh, with Scott and with other comics so he could get out at the improv. And all the comics were like, you know, who are you? And he would say who he was. And he's like, they're like, there's money to be made out on the road. And there was. So there was a lot of money to be made out on the road, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well... I mean, for us, yeah, we we could survive on tuna fish sandwiches if we wanted to. You know, there were times that headliners didn't like that I was there in the comedy condo, and, uh, you know, we were worried about uh, the hotel managers being upset that he was traveling with his wife, you know. and um, uh, But it was still... I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, worried about he that he was traveling with his wife because just more than one person in the room is that it? Yeah, yeah, something huh. like that, you know. So it, you know, sometimes it was like, okay, we're going to sneak in here, and I go, okay. <laughs> oh, man. But one time, one time we did sneak in the dog. Okay, <laughs> we had a dog that traveled with us for a little bit, but then she liked to get loose, and so she ended up with my father-in-law. But uh, yeah. Uh, and the condos. The condos were the strangest part because most headliners were really cool about it. But every now and then you'd get one that wasn't. And that's when I would just sit in the room, put headphones on, and read a book. Really? Because this whatever headliner didn't want you to be in the living room of the condo because he felt like that was his space. Yes, exactly. Oh, oh boy. Or, yeah. But it, that was few and far between. Most of the time we had a great friend fun with the the headliners mm-hmm. and then she got pregnant shortly after that so then well, then you can't be on the road well i suppose for, well, you could be on the road with a well, baby if you, you want know to. garrett you know he's working at the comedy club now yeah right that's who he's we started off talking about he's 19. 19 years old now yeah but would you take him on the road the three of you he, he was in 17 states before he was two. Oh. Well, okay, having Garrett on the road as a baby, the, the worst part about it was when I would start lactating, and I I was being such a good mother. It was like, no, he must stay in the car seat. He must stay in the car seat. Must not take him out. So, you know, and then I'm lactating and lactating, and my shirt is getting so wet, and he's crying, and we've just got an hour to go to get to our destination. <laughs> <laughs> so when we finally get there, it's like I, I'm rushing into the hotel room, to, you know, to feed the kid. <laughs> you know? But that was kind of frustrating, but still happy to be on the road, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And just, uh, it, it was good. I, I remember going off the road, and I remember... Because my wife said, you know, I can't, we can't do this with the kid. You know, you're going to have to set me up. And we had we actually at that point moved to Orlando at that point. What do you mean, set me up? She goes, you, gotta, you know, you know, you got to set me up to where I have an apartment. I got a, you know, I got a car, and I got, 
So you're going to go on the road, and, and she and Gary are going to go back on the road, and you're just going to have to. We're just going to have to play it different. And but she did. He did go on the road with you for a while, or no? Well, it was you know I'd go on the road, you know, for a week or whatever, two weeks, and then because I would never go. I would never book three and four and five and six weeks in a row. So, so they, so you'd have it a home apartment, and then you'd go on the road. Sometimes they would come along. Sometimes, right? And then, yeah. I, then I said, "Look, okay, it depends on where we went. You know, if I was going somewhere, you know, that wasn't nice. Yeah, then nobody wants to. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to do that. But uh, when it was a nice hotel and we knew what we we're getting into, mm-hmm. nice place to be, they would go. So it ended up, I counted it up one day, seventeen states." Before he was two, so they would go. We'd lock the apartment up then, and go for three weeks sometimes. I see, I see, yeah. If it was nice places, and then you were living in Florida. Then when did you move back to Lexington? Well, I moved back to Lexington when uh, I got a call from Jeff Gilstrap, the owner of the comedy club. They had just moved it over to where it is now from downtown, mm-hmm. and he had House MC, uh, who was didn't have a very good disposition. Let's just say. <laughs> That's not the best person you want to be. The right. week in, week out voice of your club is right. Mr. Crank. And face of your club too. Yeah. Because and uh, so he, he, they got they got into a pissing match one night, and he resigned for uh-huh. like the fifth time. Mm-hmm. And he, Jeff finally took his took his resignation. Said, "Okay, get out of here. I'll take it." This so time. you're living in Florida. So and he calls in Florida. You up and so says, I am literally at that point. Things aren't going very well for me. The bookings are starting to fall off. It's harder and harder, you know, to get out of. It gets harder to get out of Florida. You know what I mean? Well, there's more what, now. So now, now we're I got a kid. I got expenses. And, yeah, you don't want to go as far. Are you right. still featuring? Are you headlining now? Mostly so? featuring. Uh-huh. Mostly featuring, but I'm, 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 I'm in certain places, and I worked a lot for the comedy zones because they they were paying me a large amount of money to do that for them. Yeah, because it's now it's hard to it's hard to make ends meet right on the road as a feature, and, it, and we didn't even have you know we hadn't had any part we hadn't had any any living expenses per se for years. So you have some money saved. So now all of a sudden, you know, instead of it costing me five hundred dollars a month, you know, to just have a car and insurance and all that. Yeah, two cars. Now it's costing two yeah. grand, you know, yeah, yeah. a month. So he Not calls you and says, "Come and up a to- kid." Yeah, he says, uh, "Tell me you hate Florida. Tell me you want to come home." He didn't even say hello. And I go, Jeff, what, what's going on? And he explained it to me. Well, at the, the time the phone rang, I was sitting at my desk looking at my bookings, not liking it at all. Mm-hmm. There was too many holes. And too many places that because I wanted to stay a little closer to where I maybe I could get back home and spend a couple of days there, that it didn't pay very well. Yeah. And a couple of things had fallen through with Carnival Cruise Lines. They were looking at me to do some stuff, and, and, and which would have helped. And I was starting to create this thing down there that was just getting started. So things might have gotten better because I hooked in with this person who was in a management company trying to be a comedian, right? And she was trying to, to, to break in. And But she was with the management company that managed, like, all these country clubs in Florida. And you know they've got one on every corner. So 
Oh, and they'd start doing she says, a comedy Let's do a show. show. She goes, we want you to come in and close the headline show, and then we're going to bring in two or three of the local people, you know, mm-hmm. like do 10 minutes apiece, the newcomers, and, you know, we could probably get you about $1,000 a gig. So I'd already done two of them, and then it was getting ready to come down the pipe that they were just going to let me, we were just going to do it in all of them. And they all, they had like 60. So it could be a pretty great. And I was thinking, year. you know, do two of those a week for 30 weeks. And so, and then how, how old's your boy? What you what? At the time, at the time, he's a year and a half. Okay, right? Right. Yeah. But all of this didn't come, th- didn't come through in time. Because things were getting better. I was, I was starting to, you know, I, we were out of money, basically, and I wasn't bringing in enough money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he got this phone call, and it was, it was that time where he always gave me a week, close the show, a year here. Uh, Gilstrap did. And I'd always close the show in a little. So I got two headline weeks. In Kentucky, mm-hmm. which were good because that was we could come home and see you know family and yeah. friends and everything, and get paid to do it. So that was always the good for me. And it was right around uh, May every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, but this time, you know, I uh, I just came up by myself. So. You know, I said, I'll give you my decision on that. So you're coming up to do your headline thing? No, no, I'm coming up for two weeks. Well, spend a week in Louisville, then come over to Lexington to spend a week. And I said, I'll give you my decision then. But for some reason, she didn't come with me. That's interesting, right? So you come up and I that... can't remember why. Because she had a little fledgling business on the side. Which she watched kids and stuff like that. So she might have had to She said, I, I'll just stay here and make the money. You know? And I said, okay. And I said, no, I, I'll be talking to you, but I'm thinking about let's... She didn't really want to come back. She had made friends down there and everything. I had my son, and I had Scott, and we were living in Florida. And I was just having fun with my son, and I was afraid that I would get too much uh, advice from relatives if we moved back to, to Kentucky, you know? Uh-huh. It's like I was able to be free to be the mom that I wanted to be. Whereas if you're hanging around a lot of relatives, it's like they're always saying, no, you got to do this, and no, you got to do that. And I wasn't really ready to give up that, you know, mm-hmm. which I shouldn't have worried about because when we did come back, I mean, my mom's been great, and Scott's aunts and, you know, dad were great with Garrett too, you know. But at the point, I was like, I'm in control, and I wanted to still be in control of my son. You know. Oh, so you but coming? Go ahead. I was going to say you were a little bit worried about going back to Lexington and him taking that gig, even though that you would be able to see each other more. The this family aspect was just a worry. Yeah, well, I, you you get used to so, again. I was in control of the household and everything, and it was like mm-hmm. you know Scott would come home and we would do the things that he would want to do, and but when he was gone, but. We kind of struggled when he was gone. I took babysitting gigs and stuff like that. And um, it, it was just, I don't know. I had developed a, a world outside of Lexington, Kentucky, and I kind of enjoyed it. 
and uh, just uh, I, I, yeah. And I said, I'll do it. And I said, I'll do it. And that was ni- that was May of 1995. 95, right. So that's... 17 years ago. 17 years ago. So you moved back House MC. And that's, you've been doing that since then? 95. I've been to House wow. MC. Wow. Yeah. I cracked into radio in 99. Here in Lexington. Here in Lexington. Just by, just, and, and it goes back to the time I spent in Orlando because... Uh, Lee Cruz, my little buddy here in town, he you know he was starting out as a comic then, and uh, we were palling around because he was really good, and I thought here's a guy I can help, you know, that I'm not gonna because you know how it is when you try to help people and they end up being dumbasses in one way or another. Sometimes they just can't be helped; they can't yeah. get out of their own way. But this guy, this guy had it, and I wanted him, I wanted to kind of give back a little bit for all the people that helped me, and. That they uh, there was a place called Metro Networks, and what they did was they they subcontracted traffic, news, and weather to radio stations, right? Mm-hmm. In case they didn't want to do it themselves. Right? I see. Yeah, yeah. So this was just purely traffic, and uh, they called Lee, and Lee said, "No, I, but I know a guy that might want to do it." And uh, so the, the Lee gave him my number, and this guy called me. Well, he's down in Orlando. And he's the vice president of the section that covers Kentucky's right on the edge of his section, you know. Uh-huh. And he explained it to me, and he goes, uh, "So what do you what do you do?" I go, "Well, I've done this. They've been, been a comic for the last, you know, twelve, thirteen years." And he goes, "We ever work in Orlando?" And I go, "Yeah, I used to work, you know, hilarities and the Comedy Zone and on Lee Road and the Comedy Zone down on I Drive and." Here and bonkers and here and there, and he goes, "What do you look like?" I go, "I'm six foot six. I got kind of bushy brown hair, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I say everybody drink a lot." And he, goes, "I know who you are." He goes, "You want a job?" And I go, "Well, uh, yeah, I guess I do." And uh, he goes, "Well, I tell you what, I'll send the pilot down to the to the, uh, the the airport. You go meet up with him, fly around a little bit. If you're not scared of it, then you got the job." So you're going to be the traffic reporter from the airplane. From the airplane. And it's just, it was just a part-time. It was just the afternoon drive is what uh-huh. I was going to do. Because the guy, they already had a guy for the morning drive. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to do afternoons, right? Yeah. So I, I said, well, how much? And he goes, I'll pay $1,000 a month. You work five days a week from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Man, that's pretty. That sounds I'll pay like a thousand bucks a month, twelve thousand dollars a year. But and in the that's a that's a great part time job. And well, yeah, I was going, man, this is this is I can't believe that I went and flew with the guy, and I go, this is nothing, this this is fun. I bet you must have had some bad flying days. Though. Well, yeah, but you know, at that point, uh, well, it, it gets that that pilot went by. You know, he wasn't making enough money. You know, because anytime it rained or stormed or what, you know, we didn't fly. Uh-huh. So I basically had to sit on the ground. And guess, or I'd go down and I'd go down to the radio. Said, no, I had a police, I had a police scanner and all. It's you know uh-huh. they have a traffic ticker that comes off and does my job for me basically. You know? Right, right, right. And uh, uh, they, uh, I mean, my first, I went up and my first day on the job, and see all the DJs that I'm working for too, right? That are down on the ground. I, had, I did two uh-huh. stations. 
all the people that work in radio already knew them, so they already knew me, you know. Cause right, been, from your comedy are, club. And yeah, then, everybody's, yeah. we've all been around, hanging around the town for years at mm-hmm. this point. And uh, uh, my first report was, he goes, hey, we got a new traffic for, you know, Scott Wilson, uh, you may know him from comedy off Broadway and all that stuff. And he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, what's it look like up there, Scott? And I go, well, it looks pretty much like the map. <laughs> and so everybody kind of stopped. And as soon as I got out of the plane, I got a, I got a phone call. Cause and, it, and it was the uh, it was the program director for all the stations that in this cluster that I was doing traffic for. And he goes, wait a minute, we're not gonna. You got to be a traffic reporter. And I go, no. I said, no. I. You know who I am, and we know what traffic's like in this town, and it's laughable. So we might as well try to be entertained while we're doing it, right? Because mm-hmm. he didn't want me to do any. He wanted me to play it completely serious. And so, who won on that? I won. On, yeah. I won on that because uh, the DJ kind of came to my my defense on that. Right. Well, yeah. It's, and it's, from said, my well, point of view, it seems like you're. It's a no brainer. Uh, yeah, and it's and it becomes content at that point. And, and you know, and I said, and look, I said, first of all, uh, I'm 40 years old. I know the difference, you know, between something serious and something that, you know, a fender bender here, and. You're not going to make a joke about a bad accident. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to. I mean, I actually, I literally saw twice in the three years that I did this. I saw with my, through binoculars at 1,500 feet, uh, EMTs pulling sheets over heads. Ugh. I saw it twice. And you know what? I'm an adult. I'm not going to make fun of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't even want to see it to begin with, and I, and I just. I don't even make mention of it, you know. Let the newspapers tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. All, all my job is to tell you, don't go near there right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the guy that had the morning, he he quit because he got some other job. And so they they offered me both shifts. And in the meantime, they had brought in, because now they were contracting, I don't know how many stations in town, two clusters, like 10 or 12 stations. And uh, so we had, uh, it wasn't just me anymore. It was, there was two other people that were working as reporters. And then they brought in an operations manager. And you're all in the helicopter. No, no. Well, two of us are in the plane now. And one, and two had to stay on the ground. At that uh-huh. And uh, so now we got a pilot and uh, a guy sitting in front. And I sat in the back because I could stretch out a little bit across the seat. Uh-huh. And, uh, um. So now I'm working split shift. Now I'm getting up at five thirty in the morning. I got to be at the airport at six. Wow! And, and I then work till eight thirty. Then take a little nap. And then I come. And then I'm. I go home. And then I got to be back at the airport at four. And I go to six. And then. And then you got to go to the comedy club. During right? the, those nights where yeah, I go home, shower up, and and hit the club. But. Twelve thousand turned into twenty-four thousand. Mm-hmm. Plus your comedy club. Plus, the, plus the what I'm making at the comedy club, and then all the extras with private shows and stuff. So things really looking up at that point. Yeah, yeah. So this doofus operations manager, right? Who I'm just going along, right? He's trying to get us killed because he's trying to make us fly in lightning storms and stuff. And we finally, we went through like two or three pilots, but. Uh, 
found out that it was because of him. He was such a ass uh-huh. that he was running my pilots off. The pilots didn't want to fly, and they, they he didn't want to you know deal with him. Uh huh. So we finally got this one pilot who was really good. I mean, he was really good, and he was threatening to leave. And then we had this girl reporter, and then apparently uh, he put his office in his house. So it, when we weren't on the ground, instead of going to the stations like we used to, uh-huh. I mean, when we were on the ground, uh, he would make us come to the house and do just do them all by phone. Uh. Right? So he said something a couple times in front of me to this girl that were extremely inappropriate. And, and, she, so then, and she slapped a harassment suit on him. Mm, so he's fired then, right? So he's fired. So now I'm sitting in a Cracker Barrel with my new vice president boss. The old guy's not there anymore. And my, these other two got people that are that are uh, there. And he says to me over coffee and eggs, "Okay, Scott, here's the deal. You're going to be operations manager now, and I'm going to get you an office." where you guys can work out of because that was part of the reason why I got fired. He was getting all this expense money. So because he was living in his house, he was... He was using his house instead of using that money to rent an office and... Oh, I see. So he's doing a little fraud. he's taking that money and just giving it to himself. Yeah, yeah. And I said, wait, no, no. So you're going to have his job. You're going to get that job. But I said, no. I said, no, come on. You don't want me. Come on, you know how I work. I don't even do any paperwork. I don't do it. You want to be the funny guy on the radio. You don't want to be the boss. responsibility. I mean, you know. And he goes, no, no, you're the senior person here now. So, and I go, I don't know if I'd work for a company that would have me as an operations manager. I'll tell you that. You're trying to talk about it. I'm trying to to say, I still do what I do, you Mm -hmm. know. And he goes, he goes, I'll give you $36,000. And I go, well, okay. You got, you got an office, you, know, you got an operations manager. So now you're off the radio, though. No, well, no, no, I'm still doing the, everything else. But now I've just got the paperwork out. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't do it. <laughs> Your response to you got to do, do it. paperwork I, 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 is, You know, yeah. I let the other two do it for me. Uh-huh. You know, and they're happy because they don't have to work for this ass that we were working for. Uh-huh. Right. And we just have a night. We're having a good time at that point. They sent me down to Miami for a convention. This everybody that's a traffic reporter, a news person, and all this stuff flew us down to Miami for this three-day seminar thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's you know honestly, it's just a bunch of radio dweebs and people that you know don't look like they belong anywhere. And, do you learn anything? Then, or? No, I don't, I don't care. It's a party, right? I don't care. It's a, I'm getting good food, all the beer I can drink. I'm in a suite like this in Miami Yeah. for three days. You know, I wish my wife was with me and my kid, but other than that, it was, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm, I'm sitting by a guy on a plane down there because we hooked up in Newark. And he's got all this paperwork in front of me. And he's looking at it the whole time. I'm looking, trying to see what it is. He's got your same job. And or? he's the same job I have. And I've never seen this paper. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got Because your... I, I, I didn't really talk to him that much. I said, wow. It's like, you know, I did say, wow. And he goes, yeah, i got to get it done. i got deadlines and stuff. And but you don't realize he has your same job. He's the, he's the, he's the same guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so we get down there. And we go our separate ways after we get off the plane. But then I see him at the hotel 
during our first meeting. And I went, uh-huh. that's what, yeah. <laughs> and now how long ago would that be from now? Uh, that was, I did that from uh, basically the end of 99 to 2003. Uh-huh. Now, I went into a meeting, and this is going to sound like I'm bragging, and I'll tell you what, it was one of the finest moments. Of, of, I went into a meeting. They brought me and all the talk show hosts and all the DJs and everybody in. They had, they had brought in, radio brings in a, uh, you know, the consultants all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And they're always changing things around, and, you know. And uh, this guy, and I, I don't even know why I'm in this meeting. I don't really even work for the company. You know what I mean? I don't even really work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there, I said, "Well, why am I here?" And they go, "Oh, we want you to be here." And so I'm there. So this guy, this consultant, goes, "Okay." We did all these surveys and we did all these these polls and we did all this stuff for the last four months, and I got the results. And he puts this bar graph up on the screen, and it's got the morning show guy on the AM talk show. Mm-hmm. He's been around for years. Very popular. Uh, he was a DJ when I was in middle school, you know, mm-hmm. spinning record. And uh, his bar is way up there, you know, almost to the top. Uh, the next one is this other guy who's been around in radio for years, too. His bar is not quite as high. Uh, the lady that has her own talk show used to be a news anchor. Now she's doing radio. Uh, her bar is about the same as his. Then there's like two or three other guys that are like news guys and DJs and that sort of thing. And their bars are, you know, it's not it's not pitiful, but they're just not as high, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one bar at the end that goes to off the screen and up the ceiling to about halfway. And that has my name under it. <laughs> and people love you. Yeah. And it's like they, and I looked at the guy and I said, see, he didn't want me to be funny doing traffic. Mm-hmm. And he go, and he's just going because they're all they're always shaking my hand. I mean, man, look at that, you know, because uh-huh. I've known these people all for twenty years. They're happy for you, yeah. yeah. And uh, the very next day after that meeting, right? Which the rest of the meeting I wasn't even, you know, there was nothing in that in it for me at all. I just had to sit through them arguing about how to do things, you know. Because you're you're part of the day. You also you have a very small. These yeah. other people are on the air talking for well in the morning. Hours, was, right? Yeah, and they're on for four hours, but I, and I'm on what four times an hour yeah. for like two minutes, yeah, you know, or a minute even. Mm-hmm. And um, so the next day, what happened? The next day, I got a call from a Clear Channel radio station. Their morning show on their country station uh, had just left to go to Atlanta. And they were putting together a new morning team. And they wanted to know if I, w- I would talk to them. And it was the number one country station here in town. And they offered me almost double what I was making there. So you take it, right? Oh, hell yeah, I take it. Because now I'm out of the plane, you know. Yeah, you're the morning guy. And I'm a morning guy. Radio. And I'm not even the guy, I'm not even the, I'm not even responsible for that. They got, you know, they got our lead guys running the board and, and doing all things. The music is all figured out. You don't have to know anything about all, the music. You, know, you just have to talk in between it. I just, right? I'm just the foil. I'm the, uh, you know. Oh, so there's a main guy and you're there's the other guy. There's a main guy and then there's a girl and then there's me. Uh-huh. Right? So it was like... 
you know, they go yakky, 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 and then she'd go yakky, 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 and then I'd go boom. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was my job. And how many years did, how many years did that last? Well, it lasted, uh, um, I, uh, they actually got, got moved people around, got rid of a couple of the other, so I ended up being the only one staying there for like seven years. And are you do you still are you the you're always the foil the but I'm always that, yeah they bring in so they bring guy, in, so it's a new yeah, main guy yeah yeah and a new girl and a, yeah and I, the only thing I didn't like about that I had to get up at four thirty in the morning and just you know oh my god I, I would just go till you know sometimes noon you know and I'm just and then I'd go to the club at night. And, so yeah, you're, and t- you're and doing and it again, night too. I think we've established I'm not responsible to go to bed at ten o'clock. You know. I wouldn't even get home sometimes. Well, it's hard too when you're when you're awake from coming off stage. It's almost like it doesn't matter if you've only had four hours of sleep the night before. You come off stage and you're wound up, and that's what I try and tell my wife when she says, "I say I come home, I'm tired." Yeah, she says, "Well, how much sleep did you get? Well, you come back from the club after Saturday night. You know, it's one thirty. If you if you just leave right away, it's one thirty. If you stand there and talk." You and I talk for a half hour. It's right. two in the morning. You get back to your room and you can't go to sleep. And then you're, yeah, you're jacked up, especially if it's a travel day the next day. I used to hate that. Mm-hmm. Now, when my wife was traveling with me, I didn't worry about it. You know, I had my home with me. I didn't have to worry about getting home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, yeah. Uh, so, so, so you're doing the morning show. Get doing the morning show. I'm meeting all the stars, country stars. We're going to conventions. And, and we're going to the MCA Awards, and, and uh, we're going to all these things. We're, we're hobnobbing with Martina McBride. and, and The great and thing about about this whole story, that, I, that was something that I really like anyway, and, and I mean, uh, is you're going through that time that a lot of comics are out there taking drugs, and they're cheating on their girlfriends, right. or they're just having, they don't have a girlfriend, they're just sexing it up and going crazy, and you got a wife who you're bringing on the road, you're in love, it's like a love story, you guys are having a great time, you got your kid, you're just like a happy family, and you're, you're I, I, that's one of my favorite parts about this well, story. Well, you know, my wife and I have discussed this thousands of times since... And it, we felt like, you know, and when you, I started to understand that I really wasn't probably going to go as far as I wanted to in this business, you know, then it was nice to have a good reputation. And uh, it would, I, I ended up opening a lot of rooms. And some of the reasons that I said, well, thanks for letting me open your brand new room. I said, I'm honored that you would think of me. And they go, well, see, when we think of you, we think of pro, no trouble, you know, got a nice family. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing we would need is some jag-off, you know, coming in here and tearing up a hotel room or whatever. Well, breaking one of the waitresses' heart the first week they're open or something like that. Something like that. And I said, well, okay. So I was kind of hoping it's because I was funny. They go, oh, you're funny too, you know. So, <laughs> you know, said, so, uh, but I understood it. I, I said, uh, because of the relationships that my wife established too, as she went along through the road with all the agents and the owners and the waitresses and the bartenders mm-hmm. and all that stuff, that uh, you know, we were really accept. It really wasn't Scott's coming back to the club. It was Scott and Peggy's coming back to the club. Well, we we did become a a Scott and Peggy thing. Uh, I. I like. I like. I took over booking for him because you know sometimes you get rejected in that business, this business, and it was just easier for me to say, okay, no, they don't want you on this tour. 
but I got you booked on this tour. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it was just easier to take the rejection. And you know, I, I love. We there were certain people I I love to call and say, "Hey, it's me." And how you doing? They'd say they had a cold or something, and I'd give them some kind of home remedy and book a circuit. Because of that, I basically those years on the road with her, I got any work that I wanted, what I wanted, when I wanted it. You know. Anything mm-hmm. I'd ask for. Yeah. I'd get, so. And it wasn't the best, and it wasn't, the, I didn't make a ton of money, you know. But. Well, I, th- I kind of feel like, you know, my career is, I, I, I love my career, and I've achieved, I mean, I, it's the the good times and the friends that I've made and the respect to my peers, That that's more important than the than the money and the fame and all that other kind of well, stuff. And, and now that I've been house MC for 17 years, I've got all these guys that a lot of them I knew before coming to the club. But then I've met you and I've met all these other people, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so now when my wife and I discuss, you know, when is it going to be time for me to pack this in and just not worry about it anymore? You know, we never really come up with an answer. But I said, you know, I, I said, how how good is it, though, for some of these guys that don't have, that didn't lead the kind of life that, that I've led that are still plugging along on the road and, and, and going, how good is it for them to walk into the club and see a familiar face, know what they're going to get? Well, somebody who and, and somebody who's funny and knows how to talk to the audience and creates an atmosphere, you know, you're not, you don't have some guy who's just barely been doing comedy two years who's right. going to go up and start talking about his bodily fluids or some mm-hmm. kind of weird sex naughtiness yeah. that's going to freak out the grown-up paying customers that right. show up at a club. Right out of the gate, yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, and I also I attribute that to, I said, who better, because who, I said, I was trained to do this job. I started as an MC first two years I was on the road, you know, that's all I did, and then and then I went into a situation where everybody was cutting back. So now I'm the, I'm the feature act, but I'm like a muck feature. I'm an MC feature. So yeah. you know. So I said, who better is trained to do this than me? Well, from a selfish point of view, from your point of view, being just selfish, like why would you? I mean, do you think Michael Jordan would have retired if he could still be playing ball? I mean, why would you? Why would well, you stop doing something if you're enjoying it? I don't know. Just because I, you know, at this point, I, I do have feelings that I'm, you know, so uh, there are people, uh, groups of people. I don't know how to put this really, but obviously. But there's groups of people that come to the club that just, when they see me, they just go, oh, God, when's he going to? Oh, right, yeah. I see their regulars, and it's here, there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have, there's a lot of regulars that, you know. Boy, it doesn't feel like that from the back of the room watching you start off the show. I mean, I, I, I certainly would have. You know, now that you mention it, it would make sense yeah. that something like that would be happening. But but I'm saying when I sit in the back and I watch you mm-hmm. open up the show, I don't, I'm not feeling anything from the crowd like what you're talking about. Yeah. But, well, I mean, but, but it's maybe a, I'm overly sensitive. Maybe I worry. I think, you know, that's our nature, isn't it, just to be a little bit... Uh, 
Well, you're in your head all the time, yeah. and you don't you notice the person in the. You can have a room full of people that you're killing it, and one person's got their arms crossed, and you yeah. keep checking in with them. Right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so let let's go back and kind of get get all the way up to now. So, how long were you the morning guy okay. at the I, I, station? They came in. They came in. Now, Clear Channel did this, and it had nothing to do. We're still number one. We're kicking ass. Uh, I'm making a ton of money. I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm living in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm taking a vac- I'm taking two vacations every year. You know, my son's, you know, growing up. Which to go back to why I even took the House MC job. Mm-hmm. What the most important thing to me at that point was that I was going to be able to watch him grow up. Scott would go away for three weeks at a time, and Garrett would just just. Just when when Scott got back, would just ignore him, mm-hmm. you know. And I would have to tell Scott, I said, just let him be, let him have his little, you know, fit. You know, he'll he'll warm up to you, and he always did. He always did. I mean, you know, Garrett. I've got pictures of Garrett sleeping in Scott's lap while Scott's playing Nintendo or PlayStation or whatever game system we had at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very hard. It was it. I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if he missed his first steps. I think he actually saw him cruise, you know. But there were so many other things that he he would miss, and he 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 did hate that. And you, you kind of you you struggle to to make sure that you know the kid remembers the dad and stuff like that, and and that they don't get angry. But oh, they do. But it works out. And having Garrett on the road was fun too. Yeah. Well, and so then that that was kind of Scott was telling me his uh, impetus for deciding to take the house MC gig. I was right. going to be around, and I would figure out something else. Uh, the plan was to get into radio or something like that. It just took me a few years to get it done, and and uh, pick him up from school and be that kind of guy. Because it was really kind of hard. Because he, you know, I'd go away for two weeks. I'd come back when he's one year old, you know, and he's cruising around the coffee table, and he's treating me like he doesn't know who I am. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that was hard to take. Yeah, yeah, because you're going on the road for long stints. Yeah. It's yeah. different. And it would take him two or three days to even come close to me. Yeah, it's different for me. I I feel that every once in a while with my daughter, but still, I'm going home every three, four, five days. So right. You know, and I'm only going out twice a month, so right. it's not. But yeah. I, and she's eight now, so she can see other. But what you're talking about, though, to go away for that three weeks at a time, yeah, yeah. that would have been tough. So anyway, you're the morning radio guy. You're making right. a great living. You're getting to see your son grow up. I'm hobnobbing with stars, man, and uh, and they 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 understand what I you know I'm, I'm seeing them enough to where they're starting to get to know me a little bit, which is the coolest thing ever. And uh, so they know me by name when they see me. And they know that I'm a comic, so they're mm-hmm. they're you know they're you know rubbing elbows with they're trying to get me to you know say something funny to me you know so get me to laugh because that's because yeah. they're singers they they just you know they're fascinated by what I do right and I'm fascinated by what comics they do. and musicians yeah. have a pretty and I'm having a great time I'm getting fat you know I'm just getting that DJ forty. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you put on your morning that all that food they bring into the show sixty or whatever it is, and uh, they come in one day and they wipe us all out. Everybody's fired. They 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 fi- they lay off fire whatever you want to call it, like almost five thousand people across the United States. Wow, Clear Channel, Clear Channel, 
For no reason. I mean, not that I didn't do it, you know. They just want to cut costs. They're, they're going to put they're, in they're a, they're going to syndicate a show or Bean something. counters are running the entertainment business. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, and so, but, you know, I walk in. The guy that I'm working with, he's been in radio all his life. And he's, you know, 55 years old. He's had a few jobs, but over the last, he's been the voice around here of many stations. He always got to pick and choose where he went, though. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So he he gets he gets the axe first. They take us all in individually. And here's this guy, and he's just this huge, just like you with most DJ, huge man, broken down. He's crying. He's upset. He's yeah. upset. I walk in and I go, and they're all crying. They, they don't like that they got to fire you. You're not getting people. fired by the bean counter. Yeah. You're getting fired by people you see every, every day. Yeah. 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 The general manager and the operations manager and the HR girl and some other girl are in there, and they're all crying. And uh, I go, hey, you know, nobody's dying here. I mean, this is not. They go, well, here's what. We're going to give you a year's severance pay. I go, year's severance pay? Why didn't you do this last year? Hell. <laughs> of course, I didn't think of the consequences after the year was over at the time. But uh, Right. Now, did, did you? Uh, so that, now how long ago was that? That was 90, that was 2010. 2010? So that's just two years ago, yeah. three years ago. Yeah. Not, not quite. I think it'll be three years. And did you hustle out, or did you try and do another morning thing, or is, is that a... Well, uh, at this point, uh, uh, ironically, you know, in radio, if you're willing to move, I probably could have found a gig somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't... I would have had to move away from the House MC thing, which, you know, I feel is my roots, and... and uh, Ironically, uh, I didn't want to do that. And, my and your son was, wasn't quite finished with high school. No, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was, uh, you know, we had put the roots down. We have a house now and we have, yeah. thing, you know, so we've got that sort of thing going for us. And I went, I'm not willing to go to, you know, Nowheresville, you know, South Carolina to go make $25,000 a year. Right. Right, right. And uh, so, you know, I still have the comedy. I'm doing well. I mean, that's a pretty good, I mean, it's it's probably one of the best paying part-time jobs ever. The, the house MC yeah. thing. The what gets me is that I remember, the, I remember, well, we can't go out anywhere without any, somebody recognizing him. And it's so funny the way some people are. Some people recognize him, and they look at me, and they smile. I look at them, and I smile, and they look at him, and they smile. But he doesn't see him because he's tall, and he's just not looking that way. And it just the amount of people that recognize him, and it's to the point now where my son, from the time he was like 12, I would say, watch this, watch this. You know, and even Garrett can see the recognition in this town because he's become kind of an icon. It's like, you know, turn 21, go to Comedy Off Broadway, see Scott Wilson. Yeah, you know. yeah. And you must get some corporate stuff. And I do that. The and then private stuff, me and Lee Cruz, we do a lot of, we, you know, we, we kind of took the formula from uh, what we were getting ready to do down in Florida. And we go, we go to the, the country clubs and put on shows for the members. Uh-huh. And we make some decent. And Lee, that's who we were talking yeah, to last he, night. He's on the morning TV yeah, here. And, right. Yeah. And he, yeah, he got, see, he went from radio to TV. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and he's a comic. And you were t- we were talking last night. Well, that, I remember that some some of what we were talking about last night, which is kind of segue into uh, your your. You're really talking complimentarily and, and fondly about some of the young comics that you like, and it seems like it's important. You're, you're trying to help out well, new guys starting that out. That was one of the things when I took the job. They did not have an open mic night here. Mm-hmm. They, they just didn't do it anymore. And that was one of the things that I said I, I wanted to do, is I'll run your open mic night for you. And because you got to, if you're going to have... For, you know, for two or three different reasons, you got to give back. I think you got to give back, and if there's somebody mm-hmm. that is interested in trying it or wants to get involved with it, then you, you ought to be there for them. And and the second reason is you never know that person may be end up being somebody someday. Well, if you got a baseball team, you got to have a farm system. Right. You know, you got a comedy club, you got to make some new comedians. Right. I mean, not that there's a shortage of comedians right. in America, but. But it is something if, if if you can create a little subculture of right. comedians in your town, it only makes it's only good for your club. But this is his thinking was okay, good. I tell you what, you run it right. I'll put a, I'll put a sound person in for you and a, and a staff in here for you. But you you get them you get them to come in. You get the audience to come in. I'll give you the door mm-hmm. on Tuesday night. Yeah. Back then, it was every week. We did it every week, which was mm-hmm. too much. When we find out, we've evolved through the years, right? And uh, so, that, you know, and then once I started, you know, I was getting 15, you know, 16 people to, that wanted to try it. You know, the first six months, I was getting 150 people to come in and watch them mm-hmm. and pay the ticket price. So it was going great. So I was making, I was like another little cottage industry for me. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of the rooms in L.A. that uh, you know the, they call them alternative rooms, which used to mean something different, but now I feel like all, the alternative scene is kind of merging with the regular scene. Right. Those guys are kind of just coming in, and that's comedy now. You know, you right. get a yeah. lot. It's kind of back to how it was at the early '80s, where you'd have guys like Emo Phillips and mm-hmm. Bobcat Goldthwait, and you know who like those guys are different and right. uh, and. And even me, I was kind of different then than I am now. But that's that's becoming more of a thing. And there's these there's a lot of rooms that have a theme night or a theme show. You know, right. I think we were talking to one of the guys last night about you know if you feel like you've got an idea for a variety night or a, or a, you know talk show was a format that I think they did in, in, in a few clubs in San Francisco when I was starting out. You know, the comics would some one comic would be the host. He'd come out and do a monologue, right. and then he'd sit at the desk and introduce someone else. It might come out and do stand up and then sit down and tell the stories if right. they're at the panel, you know, to yeah, do... Exactly. You know. I love that idea. Then, like, here they do... Sometimes they get together and they roast historical figures. Yeah, see, all those shows, you roast a historical figure or you you, you can have a band come on and play a song right. and interview them. You can do whatever you want, yeah, you know? But, but it, it all went gangbusters. You know, he, I think he regretted the, the, that he told me to give me the door. Yeah. Well, they, everybody's happy to to yeah. make that door deal until they until you start making money, and then well, they feel like, well, why why do you get all that? And it's right. just like, well, you were happy to even have an ass in a seat. I said you're selling two beers a person, you know, during that time. You know, everybody should be happy. So, and he was really, he was happy about it because he was. Well, and nobody's going to bust their ass to fill up a room on a Tuesday night right. for for nothing. You right. know, it's like yeah. you got to you got to you got to partner up. But, but it's, it's evolved, and then I, and Lee started just going gangbusters, and uh, he's been a good friend. 
and uh, we, I've helped him along, and, and he does. He's really on top of his game right now, and so he partners up with me. But he's got juice too. You see, now that I'm not in radio and stuff, my juice kind of. He's got the TV juice and all that stuff. Going. Right, so he can. He, you're not even talking about plugging it on TV, are you? I'm you're saying about he, just he sometimes he can slip things in that. Uh huh. Hey, I'm going to be at Comedy on Broadway tonight for open mic night. And then yeah. And then you know, and he he reaches. You know, hundred thousand people. Right. So fifty show up, and it just yeah. made your night. Yeah, fifty extra people. Yeah, which I could do that with the radio because I was reaching like sixty thousand people any given fifteen minute period. You know. Well, you never know though. Once you have that kind of a name in a town, I mean, it could be a year from now, it could be next month, it could be two years from now. Somebody calls you up and well, says, "Well, I keep thinking, I keep hoping. I got my fingers crossed. You know yeah. that, that it's it's going to happen. But you know, all my radio friends, you know, the ones that are left, and it's it's a ghost town over there that really doesn't act like they're going to be well i turning any of that around until until it goes back to mom and pop i just wanted to circle back and ask you about scott getting recognized in lexington there do you think that that you're saying that's mostly from the comedy club and not from his being the morning radio guy absolutely from the comedy club no because the people who think they recognize him from radios still think he's doing traffic in a helicopter you know, when mm. he was actually a morning DJ. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's all from the comedy club. If people want to see you, obviously, they can come to the Lexington, uh, the comedy off-Broadway, see you open up a show. Do you have a website? you got to get a website. Uh, no, not anymore. I don't have a website. you got to get a website. See, I had all that stuff when I was in radio. People did it for me. What, what? It's easy to How do it How many times yourself? I got to tell you? I don't do the... Your wife sounds real smart. I think she can build you a website. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she cares that much about me anymore, but... Uh... <laughs> well, maybe you need to get yourself a little podcast or run something out of the club to be... Is there know, paperwork involved on no, that? I, no, there is not. I told you I don't do the paperwork. No, there's not. It's embarrassingly easy. You get this little recorder and this is... This doesn't sound is bad. Has this thing been on? Has it even been on? Yeah, it's been on the whole time. I'm pretty sure that's one of my nightmares. But, uh, yeah, you just take it from here, stick it in there, upload it to the internet. You know, See, that's too hard. Yeah, well, you, get, you can get one of those open micers to do it. Yeah, I probably can. I probably so what's what's your next uh, what's your next move? You were kind of talking about Crossroads thing. And then I'll let you go. I know you want to watch the game. Well, what, what was I talking about, Crossroads? Weren't you saying you're at a spot where you're trying to decide what if yeah, you left the I just club think, you know, or if you did I, Sometimes I'll sit in my own, you know, self and just wonder if I'm, you know, is it not time to move on, fade away, go figure something else out, you know? Um, I think that's when you sit yourself down and you just say to yourself, "What the fuck is your problem?" That's ridiculous. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm just I'm tired. I don't tire of myself. I get tired of myself real easy. But I, I mean, don't you? I remember one time he was kind of he was kind of rude to a a um, cashier who had recognized him, and this was a long, long time ago. And I told him, I said, "Honey, you know, you you want this thing." You need to be nicer to people who recognize you. And he says, I just want to be out with my wife, you know, and talk with my wife and be with my wife. And uh, I said, no, 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 no. They they want to connect with you in some way, and you need, you need to connect with them. And ever since then, he always has. You know, my wife and I, you know, getting back to when we were on the road, we did nothing. We very seldom listened to the radio when we were traveling mm-hmm. from place to place. We were talking to each other. Yeah. And so, and we, to this day, we still do that. Do we There's your podcast. So you sit, sit down and talk to your wife. Oh my God! Until the yelling and the th- starts and the 
<laughs> is she going to come out tonight? No, she's, I, so I'm, she's I'm, working tonight. She's, oh yeah, yeah. She went. She became a foodie along the way somewhere. She became this want to be a chef kind of thing. Now. Oh really? Well, well, she doesn't want to be a chef. She wants to be a cook. So that's good for you. She says she wishes that. Yeah, it's very good for me. And uh, she wishes she would have. Uh, Realized that a lot younger that she would have maybe tried to pursue something, but now she just, you know, uh, uh, she just. Would. So there's a there might be like a, a couple of cookbooks and stuff in our future too because she's she's really, really imaginative and good about this. So that's another thing on the list too. The people who do make all the money in show business end up getting divorce after divorce after divorce after divorce, and I really think that success is. Having a happy life, not wife, mind you. Just like, <laughs> I, have, I mean, he doesn't have to do a whole lot to make me happy. You, you know, seem, you seem like a pretty happy person to me. I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like I've lived the life of, uh, as my dad always said, you've been on vacation for the last thirty years. Yeah, it doesn't always feel like it to me, but right. I think in a sense that is true. I feel, and that's that's why I think comedians a lot of times look younger than they are is right. because uh, they're having fun. They're enjoying themselves, right. you know. Yeah. Sometimes they look older than they are because they're having too much fun. Right. Yeah. Well, then there's that. Yeah. yeah. Then they're, they're abusing themselves. But yeah. I really didn't do too much of that, so. But I never was a rogue, you know. I never was a, a, a Bill Hicks type, you know. I never was anything, yeah, yeah. I never was anything like that, so. You know, for me to finally, you know, I was really proud of myself that I that I made the marriage work because I didn't think it was going to until mm-hmm. I, until I figured out a way to do that. Yeah. And now, you know, here we are, almost thirty years, you know, into our marriage, and you know, we we still have to be close and and talk, and uh, we spend hours talking just like you and I just. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's just reminiscing, and sometimes we're scheming, and sometimes it's. You know, how do you make a marriage work? How, oh, um, compromise and communication and music night. And music night. Music night, yeah. What's music m- night because uh, we uh, we did this all through uh, on the road and everything, and out in California. I mean, we sat in a closet with a, a boombox listening to our music. We share music. Sometimes we differ on music, but we we would listen to music and and talk, talk about the day, talk about the future, talk about the past, and, and we still have music night. So music night is: do you take turns playing stuff for each other, or you just kind of just put on? Some Sometimes music? we take turns uh, playing for each other. Sometimes it's just uh, a radio station that plays, you know, what we listened to growing up. And, uh, and and that is really, I think, is the key because we just talk and and discuss things, and sometimes we fight, but we get through it. So fighting is allowed on music night. Oh yes, fighting is allowed on music. Fighting is <laughs> fighting can happen at almost any time, but I'll. Really, should you fight about it? Is it important enough to fight about, or is it just something that you shouldn't fight about at all? Yeah, yeah, that's that's where uh, that's where I'm at with the fighting too. It's like sometimes it's just like I, I'd just rather give up than fight about it. Yeah, and none of the cliche things really work where you grab her and kiss her and 
you know, that's not going to happen. And it, it, but oh, if you get to you get to know each other well enough, I think you can get through most things. Mm-hmm. How often do you do music night? We we usually try to do it like every Sunday night when we're off, and then sometimes in the summertime we're off on different days. So you know we'll get together eventually. It's just music night. You gotta have music. We have more music nights than we have date nights. Oh, really? Well, because music, oh, yeah. you don't have to get, well, nowadays you don't have to get a babysitter for a long time, but that's a great thing to, from my point of view about music night, which I'm going to be telling my wife about when we get off the phone. <laughs> we don't have to get a babysitter for it, you know? No, and Garrett is very used to music night. He grew up with it, and he would just go play off in his room while we played the music loud, or, you know, we'd sing along with a song or not. We'd discuss through a song. It, 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 if you share some of the same music with each other, try it. It's mm-hmm. work for us. Yeah. Well, that's a great that's a great answer, and it's been just really great to talk to you. And uh, I'm going to edit this together. I, I don't know how ambitious I'm going to get if I'm just going to sprinkle you and Scott together. That would be the best, but I, that might be a little beyond my abilities. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to finish this up and and then post it on July second. It'll get up o- online if you if you want to listen to it. Oh, definitely, I do. And hey, I remember you. You do. I do remember you when you were younger, and you know, wearing the the suits and the glasses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. But did we meet sometime or no? You just no. Saying, we never. No, yeah. we never right. met. But I remember seeing you. Well, uh, thank you for remembering me. Yeah. And I hope that the next time I get back to Lexington, I hope we'll get to meet you in person. Well, I'll, I'll definitely come to the club. Although I don't go to the club so often anymore, but I'll come to see you. <laughs> All right. I will tell it. We'll tell Scott you're coming to see him though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Anyway, so that's it. I just, you know, I laid it all out for you. Well, Scott, thank well, you. Thanks. Well, thank, thank you, you so man. much. I yeah, appreciate it was a pleasure. Well, it was a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. It was a pleasure to talk with uh, Scott Wilson and his lovely wife, Peggy. I really look forward to meeting her in person. Now, those were two separate conversations that I had with them, uh, three months apart, which I think is interesting because there was so much overlap in the way they described the things in their lives. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, I have to say it's probably one of my most ambitious episodes in terms of the editing. I had no idea what uh, was going to happen in that conversation when I started into it, and uh, what an amazing story. That's that's how I feel about it. Uh, so if you're out there thinking about your own life and uh, how you'd like to spend your 30-year vacation, uh, I wish you luck. And also, as always, I remind you, don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. Thank you. Bye-bye. My son is 20 now, so my job is done. But when I chose to have him, he was my job. And that's why, yeah. you know, we went on the road together. Uh, I was I didn't work sometimes, and Scott just worked. When I did work, I was fortunate enough that um, the guy at Jeff Gilstrap at Comedy Off-Broadway said I could bring my son with me to work when I needed to work during the day when he was young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, 
just, you know, I, I feel like he's 20 now. My job's never going to be over with him. But he's a good kid, and I know that I can trust him not to burn down the house and not to get in any trouble. He hasn't even wrecked a car yet, so. And he's, uh, you know, he's the actor, you know, he, he's the one who's been basically, he's been trained to be an actor through the school he went through. And, and I'm trying to get him and, and all his friends, they're all so talented. Uh, they did, they went to this great school here for the performing arts. And, uh-huh. and it was a, it was a, he started when he was in fourth grade and it was just a little magnet school. They only had like 180 kids in it. They all had different things. Like he was in drama and there's kids that were in music and singing, dancing and all that. And there's only like 160 kids there and it's just so talented. Uh, that I want to help them put together some kind of a troupe or a guild. That's on the list, right? The website, possible podcast. I could go back on the road with Scott if he wanted to go back on the road. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder, is there a road out there anymore?